0: Right? Today, throughout the Christian world, across all Christian traditions, we are celebrating Palm Sunday. Although it happened on Tuesday before the Passover, but traditionally the church has been celebrating this day Sunday before the Easter weekend. Right, the media team have put together a video clip, about three minutes. Let's get the sound right and play the video clip.
1: No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperial. he cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway. His I wish I could describe him to you, he's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's irresistible, well, you can't get him out of your mind, you see, you can't get him off of your hand. you can't outlive him, and you can't live without him, well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him, couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! Hey! That's my
0: king! That's my king. Indeed, he is my king. Do you know him? Praise the name of the Lord. Now, as I said, Palm Sunday is... Part of the nine days which changed and impacted the world altogether. It changed the trajectory of world history. It starts on a Saturday, or the, as the Jewish people called it, the Sabbath before the Passover. On this particular day, Jesus arrives in Bethany. Now, we know in Bethany, that's where Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus was there. On Sunday, the following day, the crowd came to see Jesus. For people in the neighborhood heard that the one who raised Lazarus from the dead is in town. On Monday, Jesus quietly enters Jerusalem, unnoticed. On Tuesday, as I said, this is called the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But before he does that, he curses a fig tree. Now, this is an object lesson which Jesus was giving to his disciples and indeed to us. Jesus, before he enters, before he is public, he goes to a fig tree. And this fig tree is described as having leaves but without fruit. So Jesus is going there and teaches his disciples because it did not have fruit. He curses it. And the object lesson is you should not have the form of godliness and denying the power thereof. You were supposed to have fruit and later as we will see the disciples learned what Jesus was teaching them. And Jesus goes to the temple, and he continues his teaching to the disciples. He overthrows the table, chases away, the money changes, and he says, My house shall not be called, or shall not be a den of thieves, but my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. And thereafter, the following day on Wednesday, the fig tree withers. And the disciples are saying to him, look master, the tree that you spoke to yesterday has withered. It has dried up. Jesus says, have faith in God. If you have faith Faith as small as a mustard seed, you can command this mountain to go into the sea. This was figurative. Jesus was teaching them about faith. Mountains stand for a challenge or a problem. Jesus is teaching them, you can speak to your mountain and it will dissipate. It happened only 24 hours, and the disciples were so surprised. On Thursday, Jesus has his last supper, he's betrayed, and he is arrested. On Friday, he's tried, he's crucified, and he is buried. On Saturday, he is in the tomb. This was the most difficult, the most challenging day of the disciples in their walk with Jesus. They are hero. They are master. They are Messiah, is no more. He is dead and he is buried. On Friday I'm going to play another video clip. It says it's Friday and Sunday is coming. It's Friday. And Sunday is coming. I hope you are going to like it. And Sunday came and Jesus rose from the dead. Now why are we commemorating? Why are we celebrating? Why are we remembering Palm Sunday? The triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It's not only a historical event that we are commemorating but actually we are saying these historical events have a bearing in our lives today. We are having lessons that we can draw from them in our walk and in our discipleship. Now this triumphal Entry of Jesus into Jerusalem is captured by all evangelists. It's captured by all four Gospels. And we are going to refer to some of them. Now, the first thing is that the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem was fulfillment to prophecy. We read in Matthew 21 Verse 1 to 11, but we're not going to read all the verses. We read from verse 1 to verse 3. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came in Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and the colt with her. Lose them and bring them to me. Verse 3. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. So Jesus sends two of his disciples. Go to the opposite village. There you will find a donkey and a colt tied. And you must bring them to me. And Jesus says, When the owner asks you, What are you doing? You must say to them, The Lord needs them. Now, let us underline those words. Whether Jesus had prearranged with the owner of this donkey and called, Or whether it was an impromptu call. For a disciple to give something to the master. The Lord Jesus says. You tell them. The Lord needs them. Whether it was prearranged or not. You must know very well. That the Lord needs them. What a lesson that we learn from that statement that Jesus needs what you have. In other words, from the Palm Sunday. And the events before the Passover, they are lessons that we can learn for ourselves. Here is a disciple, a follower of Jesus. We don't know who he was. But we know very well that he provided a donkey for Jesus to enter into jerusalem why because the lord needs them as followers as disciples of christ today we don't have to be known we don't we don't have to be on platform all of us but whatever that you do have as Eugene has said we don't only give money but we give our time we give our talents we give our skills we need we give all that the Lord has blessed us with one lesson that we learn from Palm Sunday is that whatever thing that the lord God has blessed me with the Lord needs them. I'm going to serve Him, I'm going to sacrificially give the Lord. the Lord needs them, and that disciple will never be known. But God noticed him, and God knows Him, and God knows your giving, God knows what you are doing for the. Kingdom, you don't have to be known, but the lesson is the Lord needs them. And we are reminded that we are going to give not only money but everything that the Lord has blessed us with for the featherings of the kingdom of God. But also, this was fulfillment to prophecy. In Zechariah 9 verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, a fowl of a donkey. Five hundred years before this could take place, it was prophesied. Rejoice, O Zion, daughter of Jerusalem. What do we learn from this? We learn that whatever thing that the word of God says or prophesies even about our lives, it doesn't matter how long it's going to take, but it is going to take place. More than 500 years ago, Zechariah prophesied that rejoice, daughter of Zion, rejoice, Jerusalem, because your king comes to you. The word of God, the Bible is authoritative for faith and life. I believe what the Bible says I am. Sometimes it, the things that the Bible says I am are not fulfilled at that time where I need them. But I'm going to be patient for the word of God is true and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. Matthew 5:18 Even the smallest word fra- fraction of God's word will be fulfilled 500 years ago it was prophesied by Zechariah that Jesus was going to enter Jerusalem their minute details are also spelled out he is not going to be riding a horse but zachariah says he will be riding a donkey now what is the difference we know very well that kings are riding horses they appear as victors but the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. He did not use a white horse. He did not enter as a visible victor or hero. But he entered riding a donkey. Time is coming where Jesus is going to ride a horse and we find that in Revelation 19, verse 11 and 12. Now I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. That time is coming where Jesus will be crowned king of kings and lord of lords. And he will be riding a white horse. But this time it is not that time where he will be paraded. As king, but he enters Jerusalem in a donkey. Now, a donkey stands for denigration, it stands for poverty. Now, this means that the first coming of Jesus into Jerusalem, Jesus will demonstrate humiliation, emptying himself of his divinity, taking upon himself the form of a doulos in Greek, not a servant but a slave. Now that was the significance of his first entry and riding a donkey Now, a donkey also, in that particular culture, it was a sign of peace. Isaiah 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So Jesus, before he could come, before he could come, we call it parousia or eschatology, which is the the second coming of Jesus. Yes, he is coming. And signs are showing everywhere that the imminent coming, second coming of Jesus is at hand. But here he did not come like that. He came as a Prince of Peace. Now, the Jewish people missed. They did not read prophecy well. Even today, when you talk to an Orthodox Jew, a Jewish person, they are still awaiting for their Messiah. They don't accept Jesus as their Messiah. Now, in their Messianic prophecy and expectation. Now, the picture on my left, on your left, it shows Jewish scripture and how the Jewish people interpreted scripture at that time. Yes, they were always awaiting the messianic prophecy to be fulfilled in the line of the davidic dynasty jesus called the son of david but they missed there are two mountains which constitute the messianic prophecy and the expectations according to the jewish people so they were looking as you can see from from scripture they are looking forward To the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Deliverer, but they missed this smaller mountain where I've put the cross. They were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah to deliver them from the Roman bondage and government, but they missed the first mountain, which is the first coming of the Messiah, to die for their sins. So they made a mistake. Yes, we are all awaiting for the second coming of Jesus. They are awaiting, but they missed a very important epoch in salvation history, and that was the coming of Jesus to die on the cross. And today, we are talking about Palm Sunday, we are not talking about only jesus entering jerusalem we are not talking about jesus hanging on the cross but we are talking about the significance of all these events and these happenings we are saying what happened two thousand years ago has bearing has power to us today as people and they missed it praise god we have not missed it praise god that we celebrate it today Praise God that today, like Paul, who interpreted the Jesus event correctly, in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, he says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Paul is saying, the message of the cross, the preaching of the cross, is foolishness. And one translation says, it is illogical. The preaching of the cross, as we are preaching to the Jewish people. When you read in verse 23, Paul says, it is a stumbling block to the Jewish people. In other words, the concept of the Dying, suffering, humiliating Messiah will not sell to the Jewish people. To them, it is a stumbling block. And Paul continues to say to the Gentiles, referring to the Greeks, it is folly, it is absurd foolishness. Now, the Greek people were always absorbed in speculative philosophy. To them, the concept of the Messiah should be like a great thinker, like Aristotle, Plato, and Socrates. To the Greek people, these are the qualities of a Messiah, a great thinker, but also a Messiah to the Greeks, Should be a hero in their Greek mythology. Like Hercules. A savior to them. Should be. A historical. Hero like Alexander the Great. So. The preaching of the cross. Does not sell. To the Jewish people. It will not sell. To the Greeks as well. But Paul says. It is the power of God to us who believe. Even if it will not sell to the Jews and the Greeks, but to us it is the power of God. Paul says in Colossians 2, verse 14 to 15, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Paul says, this is what Jesus did on the cross. Actually, blessings we could have read also verse 13, which says we were dead in transgressions. We were dead in our sins. It's not physical death, but it is death on the side of God. So Paul here says in verse 14 that the handwriting of requirements was against us. This is the charge sheet that was served to a prisoner. Paul is saying, Being dead in our trespasses. Each and every one of us had something like a charge sheet. Each and everything that we have done. But wait a minute. Not only the things that you did. But also the Adamic nature. The Adamic sin that we were born with. Paul says that constituted a charge sheet. That was saved to each and every one of us. But Paul is saying, My church sheet, your church sheet was nailed on the cross. Each and every sin, not only that which was committed before Jesus died on the cross or during That time, the sins of the people who were living at that time. But uh, even the people who are living today, your charge sheet uh, has been nailed on the cross. This is the significance uh, of what we are celebrating today. Uh, Even those uh, who are not here Born, Praise the name of the Lord. They will be born with an Adamic nature. And also their church sheet was nailed on the cross. Is that not reminding us of Numbers 21? At some stage, the Jewish people, the Israelites, sinned against God and snakes were released to buy them and some of them died but they said to Moses pray to God to forgive us and God told Moses on the cross you must have something like it you must have a brazen serpent Put it there And each and every one Who looks at the brazen serpent Will be healed And they will live. In other words That which has bitten you Has been nailed on the cross Each and every sin That we ever committed Each and every disease Has been nailed on the cross This is the significance Of what We are celebrating. Verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Praise the name of the Lord. When Jesus died on the cross, Paul says he dislodged, he disarmed principalities and powers and he made a public spectacle out of them the jewish people and their religiosity believed in the metaphysical in the spiritual there were spiritual entities which were willing ruling the spiritual space you remember in daniel chapter 10 daniel prayed for 21 days And he struggled as he was praying, fasting and praying. And God showed him and he said to him, From the first day you started to humble yourself, to pray and fast, I dispersed your answer. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia hindered your prayer. They are spiritual entities that are operating against us, against the church of. Jesus Christ. But we praise God today as we celebrate Palm Sunday. They have been dislodged. They have been disarmed in the name of Jesus. And Paul says Jesus made a spectacle out of them. I don't know whether you've ever experienced spiritual Uh, some years back uh, when I was studying at the university, then University of the North. I was invited to speak at an International Assembly of God Youth Conference in Sishirum. And I was preaching on Saturday at night. And we preached the gospel. And we prayed for young people. And they were delivered. Some of them were crawling like snakes. And we exercised the demonic forces out of them. The spiritual world is a reality and we prayed and they were delivered and sunday sunday evening i went back to campus my roommate was a man i don't know whether you know him albert 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 who Goveni, Albert Goveni, he was my roommate. And as we were sleeping at night, the demons made a return match. And they came and they were squeezing Albert on his bed. He was screaming like a baby. I woke up and say, you are defeated in the name of Jesus. And he was freed. Jesus on the cross, dislodged, disarmed these principalities and forces what about the crowd as they as jesus entered jerusalem they were approximately under normal circumstances of a passover 80000 people who came on pilgrimage but it is it is estimated on that particular day there were about 160,000 people. Why? It is because they heard the one who raised Lazarus from the dead, he is in Jerusalem. But also word has spread around, he is the Messiah, he is going to liberate, he is going to free us from the Roman government. And they came in droves. They were welcoming him And they were wielding palm branches. We read about the significance of palms in Leviticus 23, verse 40. We are not going to read. And Nehemiah 8, verse 15. Now, the wielding of palm branches. Branches. It was a tradition. It was a custom that people, as they did that, they showed the sign of rejoicing. They were rejoicing because their king had come. Even if they did not understand everything, but they rejoice because their king was coming uh, to free them Uh, they did not understand uh, but we understand today so on this palm sunday as we have uh, these palm branches uh, we are saying two thousand years ago they wielded them uh, without understanding but we have them with uh, with understanding today uh, for when jesus came into jerusalem uh, he was uh, going to die for our sins and transgressions. And thank God that as they were wielding palm branches, they were saying the joy of the Lord has come to us. We know very well that Jesus' accomplished work on the cross ushered in an era, an epoch of the joy of the Lord in our lives. The word joy is different from happiness. The word happiness is from outside. When things happen outside you, you rejoice. You are happy. But joy comes from within. In spite of what is happening around us, I choose to rejoice in the Lord. But also, these people, they didn't only wield palm branches. But they took off their clothes and they put them on the pathway of Jesus as he was riding this donkey he was riding on their clothes this was a sign of welcoming heroes it was a sign of welcoming people who defeated the enemy who protected the city who protected people and came into the city. And they paraded. The next slide shows you. Right. I hope you remember this event. As I wish Bafana Bafana should do this. Huh? Maybe you must go and coach Bafana Bafana. And we, we will be like, like this. This is Kolisa. Uh, and he's warriors siak olisi and his warriors they were parading in a major city centers and people went out in droves for they are saying you did it for us not for yourselves yes you were playing but you did it for us so as those people took off their clothes And put them, they were saying, You are a victor. You are a hero. Without understanding, they were prophesying what Jesus was coming to do. Right? Let us conclude our message this morning. And they were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he! Who comes in the name of the Lord? The word Hosanna can be used differently. In the Old Testament, it can mean Hosanna, Hosiana, or Hoshana. But in this context, as they were shouting, Jesus coming into Jerusalem, shouting, hosanna in our english bible it's not a noun or whatever but it is a vamp and it simply means lord save us now without knowing without understanding the deep implications of what they were singing they were saying lord Save us now, not tomorrow, but save us today day we wish to conclude our message this morning as we are celebrating palm sunday we are shouting we are rejoicing with understanding hosanna hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord who is this one who comes in the name of the lord we can identify him we can Describe him in Genesis. He is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is a Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is a high priest. Hosanna, Hosanna. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like Moses. In Joshua, he is the commander of God's armies. In churches, he is our deliverer. He is deliverer from injustice. In Ruth, he is a kinsman's redeemer. In 1 Samuel, all in one, he is the prophet. Second Samuel, he is king of grace and love. 1 Kings, a ruler greater than Solomon. 2 Kings, he is the powerful prophet. The prophet, second chronicles, the king who reigns eternally. We can say, Hosanna, for we know who he is. In Ezra, he is a priest proclaiming freedom. Nehemiah, the one who stores broken walls. In Esther, the protector of his people. In Job, the mediator between God and man. In Psalms, a song in in the morning and in the night. In Proverbs is our wisdom. Let's jump to the New Testament which resonates more with us. In Matthew he's the Messiah who is king. In Mark, he's the Messiah who's a servant. In Luke the Messiah who is a deliverer. In John, the Messiah who is the God in flesh. In the book of Acts the Spirit who dwells in us, uh, in Romans, uh, the righteousness of God. In First Corinthians, uh, the power and love of God. Second Corinthians, uh, He is uh, the down payment uh, of what's to come. Galatians, uh, He is. Uh, our very life. Ephesians is the unity of our church. Philippians, the joy of our lives. Colossians, he holds the supreme position in all things. In 1 Thessalonians, our comfort in the last days. 2 Thessalonians he is our returning king. 1 Timothy, the savior of the worst sinners. 2 Timothy, the leader of. Leaders, Titus, foundation of truth, Philemon, a mediator, Hebrews, a high priest, James, him chose a faith. First Peter, a hope in times of suffering. Second Peter, the one who guards us from false teaching. First John, the source of all fellowship. Second John, God in the flesh. Third John, he is the source of all truth in Judah he is protector he, he protects, protects us, us from stumbling blocks, blocks in Revelation, he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, he's the alpha, he's the omega, he's the beginning and the end, he is coming again, and the one who will make all things new, praise the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, let us stand on our feet, I'm going to pray right now, maybe the worship team guys, you prepare a song and I sing a song Lord save us.